welcome back to a very special off-season Fly Hockey periodical podcast. With me is the prognosticator, Matt Lichtenstadter. I'm Thomas Krulikowski. Uh, before we get into it, you called it. I did, although don't ask me for tomorrow's lottery numbers because I won't get that right. And again, the blind squirrel. I've called myself a blind squirrel a lot, and uh, this is the blind squirrel. I predicted Tottenham Hotspur hiring Mauricio Pochettino in 2014. That actually turned out pretty well. So if this prediction turns out like that, then we're great. But again, blind squirrel. Before uh, we get into the hiring of Barry Zito Phil in, in Zito. Florida. Yes, because Barry Zito, great Oakland A's pitcher for many years now, ago. Now we're going to have to edit it because of my marble mouth. Well, that's fine. No, we'll leave it in because I've heard a number of people call him Barry Zito on Twitter. It's hilarious. We'll call him Barry Zito at some point, too. Don't worry. Hey, at least we don't call him Justin Hebro. Oh, no. Unfortunately, there is some other Florida Panthers news to discuss or at least comment on. Note. Uh, abs flyers will will finish with a little abs abs flyers update and uh, our picks for the conference finals um that seems about it yeah well we'll spend an hour talking about good florida panthers things which i don't think we've ever done before yeah so let's really relish it uh and get into it so the reason florida hired uh bill zito almost did it again barry zito's lost cousin it happens it happens Talon's contract was not renewed. One of the many, many plethora of reasons one would have for not renewing uh, a contract that was only verbally agreed to and extended, uh, by the way, uh, is Talon is now under investigation for using racial language, a racial slur. I don't think we know what was said, but we know it was insensitive, and the NHL has done a pretty buttoned up job around the investigation so whatever they conclusion they come to it's going to be pretty credible because it's not like there's no leaks or anything uh there's not a lot of prejudgment uh i I think in this case uh you know outside of you know talon's own comments to it which kind of show where some of the insensitivity uh came from saying that he didn't know that matt dumba was was black or a player of color um and you know that's one i guess we know why the defense wasn't good in florida because he he apparently hasn't seen half of the nhl's defensemen apparently not (laughs) um uh, this is what i'll say about this um and and don't take this the wrong way and this is not a defense of what dale talon said allegedly um he is an older man in hockey older men in hockey have grown up in a culture where racist language is sadly far more acceptable than it should be so i'm assuming there are a lot more people older men in hockey that probably have said racial things that they should not have said that they got away with because it's hockey now that again does not excuse what dale towns said or allegedly said um so that is where i come from this that he is part of a larger cultural issue in hockey that the Hockey Diversity Alliance has talked about, and they are 100% correct about. Apparently, the HDA knew about this before it leaked publicly, of course, reported by our friend George Richards, who is now at Florida Hockey now. So the NHL is investigating this. Um, TMZ, of course TMZ reported, that there might be multiple incidents of racial language. Uh, we have no comment on that other than we have to wait to see what the investigation concludes um, Talon was going to get let go anyway before this got 
released to the public. I want to make that very clear because the reporting has suggested that as well. So he was gone for hockey reasons. Now, if he was still around, then his job would have very much been in question because of this. He would not have survived an investigation by the league concluding that he said racist things, not in this climate. He wouldn't have. So the story will go. We'll see what it concludes. In terms of a hockey perspective, um, this is not like the Coyotes draft scandal. I do not believe that the NHL can do anything to the Panthers in terms of just from a pure hockey like draft perspective or punishments. Uh, the only thing that I can say is I really hope it's not as pervasive as we fear, uh, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. There is nothing really we can say other than when the investigation concludes and the NHL reaches its conclusion, we will see what the NHL concludes. And uh, I hope, as I said, not for the sake of Dale Talon as much as I hope it's just like this language isn't as pervasive in hockey as I fear it is. And I've heard stories about language in hockey being much, much worse than anything you've heard publicly. So that's just my hope. Um, and otherwise, I don't think there's much else to say until the NHL concludes its investigation. And I doubt we're going to hear anything about it until after the Stanley Cup is awarded, after the draft. It's going to be something to hear about in the dead of the new offseason, which will be middle of October. Yep. Not, not much to do until the NHL uh, does come out with that verdict. I think, like you said, it's not going to be draft picks, though I, I would be certain that there could be a fine. Uh, you know, you're representing a franchise. That franchise could be, you know, he's in the bubble when he's saying this. Uh, you know, if the coach or, you know, if he, I, I can, I could see a fine. I could see it, but also the NHL is going to probably be lenient with fines because we're still in a pandemic. So I, I, I don't know what the issue would be. It might be sensitivity training. Who knows? We'll cross that bridge when we get to it is basically my, my line. I want to see what happened, how often it happened, who knew, who knew when. That's what is very important, and we don't have any of those details yet. So it is not appropriate for me to judge. I don't think it's appropriate for anybody to judge uh, until you, then. Do you think it's possible that, you know, this came out right around, you know, the days they took off to reflect on this and talk as a group? Is it possible that this came out during that time and led to the investigation, or this was kind of brought you know, to light that we are investigating this and that's why they then got behind being public. I don't know, because, again, the fact that the HDA probably knew about this before it was leaked publicly means that people were probably talking about it. And one thing we know about hockey is behind the scenes, people don't keep their mouths shut. There's a lot of talking going on. And a lot of that, of course, the public's not privy to. Uh, and then, obviously, George, he knows the organization pretty well. He caught it uh, and then reported it. And then more was added on to it later. I, I don't know, again, with this incident particularly or what happened with past incidents. We just have to wait and see. There is far too much that we don't know, I think, to make any firm judgment. And for the sake of that, that's all. The only thing I can say is that if it's true, um, he, Dale Talon is an older man in hockey. And older men in hockey were probably guilty of saying racially insensitive things quite a bit because that's just what hockey is. So, again, that's not excusing Dale Talon. That is just saying that is unfortunately what hockey is. We've talked about hockey culture before. That's just some of the language you hear, and it sucks. I mean, we saw the Bill Peters story. There are probably hundreds of more Bill Peters stories out there, and uh, this obviously is on a lesser level to it, just on this one incident as far as we know. But, again, that could change. So there's no need to dwell on the past until we know exactly what happened. As I said, the league's going to publish the results of its investigation when it gets it. And whenever that comes out, we will talk about it. But there's not much else we can say about it at this point. 
Yeah, my, my last point is this is a really good time to, you know, look at who they the NHL associates with, and I'm really thinking of Bobby Hall uh, first and yeah, foremost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that, that's, also the, that's also another thing. Like, if, if we're going to ding Dale Talon for some of the things, then there are other people in the league's past. And I don't think we can retro – and Jeff Merrick brought this up on 31 Thoughts talking about Con Smythe being, uh, you know, saying horribly racist things. Like, I don't think we can graft – 2020 values onto people in the past you know we need one of those leonard malton openings from a disney movie explaining like this is why this happened when and we need to explain it rather than erasing it from history just teaching people what happened i think is much more powerful than saying it didn't happen but there are people in the league i mean bobby hall's said horrible things over and over and over again there's no need for the league to be associating with that so again maybe it gets the league to reevaluate things like this but as i said before we, I don't want people going into the past and saying, well, he was bad. Again, things were different in 19-whatever than they are now. We need to teach people about what these people said and who they were as opposed to just erasing them from history. Because erasing them from history does nothing. We don't learn about our past, and we don't learn about the NHL's past from that. And that's how the NHL could be better in the future by admitting, yeah, we had problems in the past. We're going to learn about it for the future. That's my other two cents on that couple cents uh you know doesn't buy much these days um but you know that's kind of what bill zito has to work with and that's a transition oh, that's a great the, transition so hopefully I like the it. hopefully the florida defense can pull that off next season ah. um so what you know bill zito's coming into a very open uh situation in florida and what i mean by open is uh there's a lot of ways he can get to where he uh needs to go uh there's not many players who are untouchable uh the roster could look very similar uh because there's a lot of limitations or it could look very different there's a lot of ways this can go it's a Uh, choose your own adventure novel pretty much and we could go three hours on all the different ways that he can go Uh, But before I think we get to that, I think we should just talk about the fact, not that I got the prediction right, because it was the first name that came off the top of my head, and again, Blind Squirrel. Uh, I think we should just say that for all of the hand-wringing that you and I talked about during this search, that it looked pretty scatterbrained, and arguably they asked the league for help, and the league said interview all these people, and they did. Let's be fair. In the end, no matter what the journey was, the destination ended up in pretty much the right place. It ended up where it needed to end up, and they hired somebody who is absolutely qualified, not just for that, but is one of the best candidates for this specific situation. And that leads me to believe that even though we saw names like Peter Shirelli and Eddie Olchek and Kevin Weeks mentioned, who were names that were uh, less than good, let's say, uh, in the end, they were interviewing the right people because they came to a pretty solid conclusion. It's funny you say that interviewing the right people. It it it's a, it kind of played out like they interviewed two dozen people to get a name of who they should pick, and then it was they all said Bill Zito. You know, like that's kind of how it kind of looks. You know, from from the outside. But well, it's also funny that Zito's name was never mentioned until George Richards literally put out a piece thirty minutes before the news dropped that they interviewed Bill Zito when he talked to Matt Caldwell. Which now yeah. when you look back on it, you go like maybe this was their guy all along and they were hiding it so nobody knew, which actually would have been pretty clever with smoke screens, and I would have appreciated that. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, that'd be something. If I was them, I wouldn't have worried about setting out smoke screens and stuff and just kind of gone after my guy. But uh, to each their own. Uh, in the end, I think it's a credible choice. It's one of the three or four people who were listed that I felt comfortable enough investing time to see how this continued in the future and not jumping ship. I mean, I think a lot of Florida fans are kind of getting to that point where jumping ship could be, you know, doesn't mean we don't care. We don't like Florida anymore. We're going to root against them or whatever. It just means I can't watch 82 games. I'm not going to invest the amount of time. I have to start scaling back. You saw the Uh, mentions of Peter Shirelli on Saturday and yeah. There is no unanimity among Panthers fans. Right. None. But even I was going, I can't watch 82 games of a Peter yeah. Shirley managed Panthers. No. I can't do that to myself. No, I already have I'd, too many other things going on in my life. I'd be watching 20. I mean, like, it would be that. That's how bad it would be. And, like, you know, there was some of the other good names out there Armstrong from St. Louis. I mean, that's a franchise that has done it on an internal budget, has done it from drafting and bringing up their own guys. I mean, you're looking at Vince Dunn, Colin Paranko, and D, just some of the recent ones, um, you know, but they're forwards, Fabry, Thomas, and that they're doing that later in the draft in the second rounds, the third rounds. They're putting guys through college, four years of college, and then signing them, something Florida can't do, and then mm-hmm. still developing them, uh, you know, so – seeing Armstrong's name on the list, it kind of made me feel better about the Fudas and the Charlies and the, you know, all the, and the Eddie O's. I mean, for a second, it looked like the final four might be like weeks, Eddie O, uh, Chia and Scott Mellonby and Scott Mellonby. And And then you'd be rooting for Mellonby in weeks or, you know, because you, you, you wouldn't want Vinny Viola's horse, racing buddy as the GM because that would mean Viola packed it in. Yeah. And did, you and, know? And, and, and I'll make this point about just the names that we saw. Like, a lot of them were good. Like, Lawrence Gilman was a good name. They interviewed Mike Gillis, apparently, yeah. and there are some Mike, people out there yeah. who really wanted Mike Gillis. And but Mike Gillis, I, you know... I would have been fine with the recycled The recycled article from, from last fall was that Gillis was looking for more of what, like, Shika was work, looking for, like a more formulating how to run professional organizations at a high level. Yeah. Like he he would have had to have replaced Matt Caldwell basically is, is kind of like my thought, which, Hey, I'm open to, uh, but I don't think Gillis wants this situation. I think he'd be more like a situation where uh, the sport, the owner of the hockey team owns a couple yeah, he might have been like in that New Jersey role that Chase right. was linked to. That kind of makes yeah. much more sense because he's got a hockey team, a basketball team, a soccer team that he could have helped run. Right. Um, but, yeah. I mean, and Gillis has been traveling recently. He wants to, you know, he wants to be worldly, cosmopolitan, in and out of like different. Chris Pronger, kind of. <laughs> it's true. No. Uh, well, I mean, okay. in terms of other names, like you, you saw. Uh, Eric Joyce. Eric from... Joyce uh, was almost on the almost there. There's. Oh man, he was so close. I, I uh, that that was my my favorite thing was I was just very happy, and I the one silver lining when we saw the list of names for two weeks and you know Zito wasn't popping up and some of the other people I, I'd maybe prefer out of the name boxes I'd prefer weren't popping up. Uh, I what was happy was there was no Joyce talk and and I think Florida realized. 
that Joyce might be the GM of the future, but the future is not now. It, it does not, if you want Eric Joyce to succeed, there's no reason to put him in the GM seat right now. He would, he would spin burn, would be fired in two years and have to work his way up in another organization, whatever. This gives him time to learn, to, to craft, to, you know, learn from somebody who's done well in the AHL level to get his AHL situation figured out and then go from there. I mean, if you, Joyce is young enough, he's going to get a shot if he, you know, with this ownership. So it, wait until he can wait until after the hang. I mean, if, if you, if to argue from his perspective, it's better to wait until the handcuff contracts are gone until yeah. you're on the Spencer Knight and that whole group down the line. And you're, and you're in the, and you're in your, you know, you're in your late forties, you know, you're, or whatever age you'd be, you know, with a little more experience and you're a little more sure of yourself and, you know, you have, you command a little more. And the Panthers uh, are just frankly, hopefully in a different position at that point, not a laughing stock, which is, which is kind of like, you don't want to come right. in and take over in this kind of position where, where Bill Zito has, has been in the, in the wars with an organization that's just, yeah, I mean, objectionably has been more successful. And the other right. thing with Bill Zito is, like, he's been interviewed for a lot of jobs. I mean, he interviewed in New Jersey. He interviewed in Buffalo. There's probably other jobs that he interviewed. L.A.? In. Yeah, and he got this one. And, like, there have been people out front who have been harping on him uh, for a long time, wanted him to get this job. And the fact that the Panthers hired one of those people is, is just is really good because, again, it shows you that they were looking for the right qualities when they were conducting this search. And again, the fact that well, I was listening to 31 Thoughts on Monday, and the fact that by Tuesday night they had a name out, and that podcast was recorded Sunday, you just go, yeah, okay, so they, they kind of had an idea pretty quickly who they liked, and that's good, but they wanted to cover their bases. Yeah. And the one thing about Eric Joyce, and it's, it's in that uh, Florida Hockey Now article, it's not behind a paywall, but I saw it when it was not behind a paywall, and, and Matt Caldwell said Eric Joyce was not ready, and it's like, Oh, this is the happiest why hockey's been, and the most right we've been about anything in a very long time. Right, and and that's just the. It's also personal. a fact. It's also an objection. It's it's just an objective fact yeah, that he wasn't ready. So there there needs to be, you know, the task that he's done. He's not done to the level that they needed for this type of GM. They needed a much higher functioning GM. They then, needed, they then needed somebody they couldn't from have it even a builder and yeah, they couldn't choice, even, yeah, I'm not sure he could do that. Right. And, and not, you know, if you don't want to disparage Eric Joyce, I, I felt the same way with Kevin Weeks. They didn't have time for training wheels and stuff. Kevin Weeks has a ton of connections. He's got the right temperament. He, and, he and it would have been great you know, to see, I think the first black GM in the NHL. Now that would have been really cool. But, like, for this organization, in the situation they're in, when you got to win or else people, the last that you have are going to jump sh- ship, like, you right. can't afford to, to do something yeah. like that. If you are in uh, another situation, like, if you're in a situation like the Red Wings were in where you won a lot and you wanted to take a shot with a new GM and you had all that banked in goodwill, that might have been a situation where I could see it. Or if you're working in a situation with a team president like John Davidson or something like that, who's been around the block, who knows what he's doing and can help in certain ways, that probably would have been a situation where Kevin Weeks fits in better, for instance. This situation, he wouldn't have fit in. It would have been a trial by fire. And in this organization, if you're in a trial by fire, you get burned. 
So in terms yeah. of that, ask Pete DeBoer, ask ask Gerard oh, Gallant, ask yeah. you know a lot of yeah, even the good ones. Bob Bugner, Bob Bugner had that happen too. I mean, let's be fair to him. We didn't like Bob. Michael Froelich. I mean, oh, tons, tons of like Nathan, all the stars like Nathan Horton, Jay Bomeister, things like that. So I, I think that that gives us an idea of where this came from. So now let's explain why we think Bill Zito is going to be a very, very good hire for this organization. And it comes down to a lot of different things that we asked for when they were conducting this search. But and can we, can we start with number one? Yes. He was a player agent and one of the better player agents when he was, which means he can negotiate a contract. He knows how GMs negotiate. He knows how player reps negotiate. Um, and let's be honest, there's two really important contracts coming up and he's has to negotiate them. And there's a lot of, if they get good prospects, they have to avoid, they have to re get, they have to sign those prospects to these 5.9 for six years contracts like they got Barkov to in the future. Uh, that's something that Joyce doesn't have. A lot of people say, oh, Joyce has some, you know, experience negotiating contracts not as much as bill zito not as successfully as and as uh let's just put it aggressively as and bill you can zito. look at columbus's cap situation even with not great contracts on the books and some of them aren't great like they still have a lot of cap space and a lot of flexibility and a lot of that is of course negotiating and one of the first things that bill zito mentioned was we have a really great captain a really great player in barkoff and that assuaged a lot of nerves i think among panthers fans he hasn't mentioned Huberto yet, but I don't really think that means anything. Uh, well, but... we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. But I think hitting on Barkov is uh, the other big Zito thing is he knows Kekalainen already, and we're talking about not Columbus's Kekalainen, but our Kekalainen through through Columbus's Kekalainen, and he also the Acme, I forget what the full name is, but the sports firm, you know, player, you know, sports rep firm. He had, he had it with a Finnish partner, and they had a lot of Finnish clients. Uh, and when they didn't have Finnish clients, they had American or Canadian clients that they sent to Finland uh, at different parts of their um, development, like Brian Rafalski or Tim Thomas. So that's that's also big for Florida and, and me personally, selfishly. Of course, I know, because we love Finland yeah. on this show. But, I mean, like that was one of the reasons why I really like this hire, because it means, you know, now Yari Kekalainen is not going to go anywhere. And if Yari Kekalainen, again, remember who he is partially responsible for. Barkov, players like Heponiemi, Borgstrom, Gregory Denisenko is one of his. You know, if there's a good European player that the Panthers drafted, it probably cause, comes because Yari Kekalainen said you should probably draft him. And obviously a lot of those players got drafted by Florida anyway. But now you put Yari Kekalainen with a GM that knows how to develop players and knows how to build a development model, and you start thinking – boy, there, there, there are some possibilities here, and that really is exciting. But we should get now into the development model, which is probably the number one reason why the Panthers hired him, because everything we've heard about this search is the Panthers don't want to sign players when they're free agents, they want to develop them, which, let's be fair, they haven't done, and a lot of that is Eric Joyce, and a lot of that's just the organization's model has been broken for a long time. So you bring in somebody who is the GM of a Calder Cup winning team, and you bring in the GM of a team or AGM of a team in the Columbus Blue Jackets who, let's be honest, like I didn't think much of them this year. They lost Panarin, Duchesne, Bobrovsky, and their entire team was hurt at some point. 
and you have to bring in players like what? Alex Texier, Emil Bemstrom, you know, guys like that. And they come in, and what do they do? They end up becoming really important players for you, and you're on entry-level contracts. And now, suddenly, you have depth, you have a system that works, and you have the ability to go to the playoffs even though all of your frontline players are hurt because you have trust in your development model that these players can come in and fit in seamlessly. And that's exactly what they did. Because now what do you have? You've got guys who, let's I'll give you an example. Sixth and seventh round picks in 2015 are Marcus Nudivara and Vladislav Gavrikov, right? These are not amazing defensemen. But you think about the fact that both of them have played pretty key roles for the Blue Jackets in recent times, and you go... Those are 6th and 7th round picks. The only one that the Panthers have really had like that is Mackenzie Weger. And you get players like that in your system, in depth roles that you need, you can then make bigger decisions on top instead of spending money on Anton Strahlman. Think about the difference in your organization, your cap situation, and the construction of your team when your team is built like that. And you can look at Columbus's drafting and you go, you know what, even if... Some people might not go, oh, this is the best draft we've ever seen. They have a plan and they stick to it. And what that means is you then have trust in your process. And because you trust your development model and your development model has worked effectively, again, you can be a team that Columbus has become. And if the Florida Panthers are that, that is infinitely better than what they are now. I know that they've only won two playoff series and that I understand that. But when you're a team like Florida who might not be able to spend at a cap every year, might have trouble attracting free agents for whatever reason, if you have a development model that works and you can sell these players on, yes, you're going to get a chance and you're going to be given every chance to succeed, how much better is your organization when it works like that? And there's a lot of there's a lot to it with Bill Zito coming in and he can the AHL players know that the you know, all the direction is coming from somebody that not only won uh, a Calder Cup, but, you know, had success year over year over year at the AHL level. And like you said, every year there's some crazy no-name defenseman who plays well because of an injury. They bring up somebody who is like a fourth or fifth round draft pick that's 22 or 23 they seal a role. I mean, whether they have Panarin or they're trading Panarin or losing Panarin or trading Rick Nash or whatever, they're consistently keeping to a certain level that drives a higher revenue and more playoff appearances than what Florida drives right now. But also think now. about this. They traded last year for Matt Duchesne at the trade deadline. They traded some pretty good prospects in order to do that, but they felt comfortable doing that because, you know, like, Hey, we've already got guys that we like. We trust them. We know they're going to be ready when we need them to be. And they're, again, this year, they traded away a huge haul to get Matthew Shane last year. And this year, some of those prospects probably would have played considering how many injuries they had. And it didn't matter. They didn't need them because they had more of them than were necessary. And when you have more of them than were necessary and development model that turns out good players, you can then use them to trade for players like Matthew Shane. A good and you farm can... system underpins everything. And you can let Matt Duchesne go when it doesn't work as expected and it would get too expensive. I mean, there, that it, it, it helps in both aspects and both ends of the spectrum of players' careers. And, you know, Florida needed to do that. They needed to go out and, I mean, I guess it took 
like Matt Caldwell said, two dozen interviews of people across the literal spectrum of hockey. I mean, other than, you know, going really off the board, they, 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 any type of list you would get out there, they, and any name in front of them, it seems they, they AGMs, yeah. broadcasters, everything. You name it. You name it. So, uh, it, it, I'm I'm optimistic, uh, but you know they have somebody who seems intense, who seems serious, who seems like he has uh, is going to be able to formulate a plan based on you know coming in, uh, talking to everybody in the organization, and and really getting his hands on what it is, and then you know filling out the staff because that that comes second, and then third starts coming the moves and the draft, and we'll see it at the draft, you know who they draft and who they move. Um, I think we'll, we'll start giving us so, some so ideas. So there are a couple of other aspects to this hiring that I really like, too. Um, first of all, there is obviously the analytics discussion. That's very important, of course. Uh, the Blue Jackets ran a hockey analytics conference in recent years. They put advanced stats on the Jumbotron. So if you think that Bill Zito isn't looking at that stuff, you're nuts. He clearly is. So if you're worried about analytics... He's going to be definitely involved with that, and that's going to be a part of his decision-making process, which is good. It should be. Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I would think that would be one of the first couple hires we see. Um, maybe public, maybe maybe not, you know, whether like announced or, you know, unannounced. Yeah, but it's going to be a part of the process, and that is hugely important. And it's going to be part of the process in a way that it it wasn't in past years where what's going to happen is it's a part of the process and it's something where it's a collaborative process, right? And it isn't like, you know, it's more like what you see in a place like Colorado or Toronto where it happens behind the scenes and you know it's there and Carolina too, but it isn't something that's fussed about. It's just decisions that are made and it's part of the process. And that's what you want. You want it to be a huge part of the decision-making process and to have a say. And you know Bill Zito is going to have a role with that. And that's, and that's another reason why this hire is going to be great, because that's going to be there. Then another reason why this is going to be good is everything you hear about him with his personality means he's no nonsense, he's tough. And some of that comes from working with Yarmo uh, Kekalainen in Columbus, where they had their plan, they made their decisions, and they didn't really care what people thought of those decisions, which is why you get going for it with Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle and having no draft picks last year. But also that means he can go into Vinny Viola's office and say, this is what we need to do to win. This is my plan. This is what I need you to do. And that is something that the Florida Panthers have not had. Since early days of Dale Town, they haven't really had a plan. They've been chasing their own tail. Now, with Bill Zito, I know whatever comes, there's a plan in place. And there's an idea behind that plan that's followed through on. And Bill Zito is going to commit to that plan. And I know people are sick of five-year plans and what have you, but like this is an actual five-year plan because you look at what the Blue Jackets did with Zito at the helm. Again, he won a Calder Cup, and when the Blue Jackets started under Kekaline and they had a good year, then they had a couple of years where they were pretty poor, and now look at them. They're a consistent playoff team. So if the Panthers could get to a position where by year three, year four, they are now a consistent playoff team, who's going to say no to that? Again, the, the bar is at the center of the earth. It's not like Bill Zito has to jump very high. But it's been hard for the Panthers to even do those basic things like that. But with Zito, you expect and you have reason to believe that he can pull that off. And it means that when we start analyzing what the Panthers do, I can go, 
I'm a little less worried now about what they're going to do because I know there's a man in charge who I have faith that is going to pull off a plan and is going to execute on that plan. Even if we have niggles with it in certain areas, even if we have disagreements, a plan is a plan. And that's what Columbus is executed on. And if the Panthers become something akin to what the Columbus Blue Jackets have become, yes, I'd like them to go to a conference finals, but you got to get to the basic level first. You got to be a consistent playoff team. And if the Panthers get to that, nobody's going to say no to that. Yeah. I mean, here, here's how I look at it. Uh, I look at it as, you know, he's got a uphill. I don't know if I necessarily have faith in him. Uh, and I don't necessarily know if I can subscribe all of CJ, CBJ's attributes on the him, uh, you know, and it's going to be, it's going to be what plan does he come up with? Uh, I think where then I can start to have faith or not. Uh, I'm still pretty decidedly on um, keeping Barkov and trying to make that work. So we'll see how he goes that way. I, I think it's pretty clear he's committed to keeping that and making that work. Like, I know you shouldn't take much yeah, from but public there, press conferences, but I think he's committed to making but there, that work. Yeah, yeah. And then, so once you get beyond that point, then there's how do you – how's he go about doing that? You know, what, who's going to be the two C he gets, how, you know, how's he going to handle Borgstrom and tip it? How's he going to handle the defense and shipping Matheson out? How's he going to handle drafting? I have, you know, like there's, I probably have to see, like he's getting hired at the beginning of the off season. I can't really have faith in him until I see kind of how it looks through like the first five, 10 games of the next season and you know that's when i can say like okay this is who bill zito is in florida and this is what he's going to try to do with the team and that's perfectly fair i, I want to make it clear that's fair yeah. enough and i think but I, I i think he's like a prospect where he has the tool set he has you know that he's come from a good development team he it's like you know drafting someone from the london knights you know yeah you know, there's there's all that process and and promise, uh, but, but you need you know. to see it you see it fulfilled. So yeah. I, I think that for me, it, I don't know what it's going to be this off season because it's so weird. But when you think about what he's capable of doing, and you think about what the track record is in Columbus, if you can get an approximation of that in Florida, then by all means, please. So I and here's my example. The Blue Jackets right now have Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens as their goaltenders. Both of them were drafted later in the draft. Both spent a ton of time developing, developing the right way. And now the Blue Jackets can trade one of them if they want to get scoring, which they need. So when I think about Spencer Knight, and some of us, I think, would legitimately be a little concerned about Spencer Knight's development, obviously because of the college hockey season. They'll not a little bit, you know, you know what I mean. But He's now go. with Spencer Knight's development, I now feel a little bit, a tiny bit less concerned about it. Because I know that Bill Zito has the track record of putting players in those positions to succeed. That's what I'm, that's what my, my, my gist of what I'm trying to say is. It does not mean I have, like, abandoned all pretense and say, I'm now not worried about this anymore. I'm still worried about it. But I'm a little less worried because I know what his track record is. That's my point. Yeah, I, I think Spencer Knight is actually possibly going to be eligible to play um, junior hockey because the N the NCAA is allowing people 
of a certain age or status to keep their eligibility if they play junior this year due to COVID. Yeah, so we can see where he goes, and those are decisions yeah. that are going to be very interesting to see what he makes, how he makes them again. But what, like we said, with Bill Zito, he might send him to Finland. He could send him to Finland, which would be great. I mean, who wouldn't want, yeah. who wouldn't want to go to Finland? Because Finland's awesome. Uh, I, I, I think we should also do something in just this exercise, just to give people an idea of if you don't know what Columbus has been doing in their drafts, we should talk about some of that just a little bit, just to give you an idea of who they're drafted. And you, you've heard of some of these names, but uh, we should do that because, yeah. like, this let's, is – this is th- he has helped run these drafts. So this is kind of an idea of what you're getting with Bill Zito. So I, 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 the last three first-round picks, they traded away a couple of them, but the last three first-round picks are Zach Arensky, turned out pretty good, Pierre-Luc Dubois – I think that turned out pretty good. And Liam Foody, who just started playing, but he looks to be a decent player, and that was an 18th overall pick. So when you think about if those are your three picks, and that's what the Panthers are largely going to start getting in first rounds, I mean, maybe you're not getting Wierenski and Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of players, but something approximating that, I mean, again, who says no? Yeah, I mean, well... Dubois is the real, that's their Barkov moment for them. Well, yeah, because that again, was... everybody thought they were going to take Puyarvi. They didn't take Puyarvi. And I remember watching that draft and going, okay, I don't know much about what I'm talking about here, but I think that's a little surprising. And that is, yeah, as you said, that's their Barkov moment. That is when all of their process can be translated to that. And the fact that they're good right now is a large regard to that. that and, and, and it hasn't even, you know, this is, I think an even riskier pick than the Barkov pick because you're looking, okay, this Barkov kid, six, four, 200 and some pounds is going to be a top is going to be a number one center in the NHL at 18. This is pretty great. Pierre-Luc Dubois was a winger and they were projecting, they, they were taking him and they were saying they were going to turn him into a center. Uh, that's pretty, and no, and everybody, that was a big debate leading up to that debate, whether Dubois could be a center. And the huge consensus was no. And so... And you know what? It, He's one of so the best centers in the league. Yeah, now, I mean, you, you can see it's that type of projection, being able to take the skills and knowing how you're going to take those skills and then place them into the NHL team and utilize them. Even if it doesn't match a traditional trajectory or the consensus... And even though there's risk involved, I mean, some of their other draft picks that, you know, I I really liked uh, was the Abramov draft pick uh, that same year in the third again, round. Think about that. He got traded to Ottawa for for Matt Duchesne because they had other guys that they're just like, you know what, this works. We can trade him. We can afford to take that risk and get rid of him because we have Alex Texier and Emil and Backstrom behind him. Again, he was traded over his his. his uh, value, you know, getting picked 65th overall to being an important piece in in a in a trade, and you know, even before that, he was producing, and you know, his value in the in the the community was a lot higher than most third rounders. Uh, you know, Benstrom is that was a Y hockey favorite. Uh, you know, not only because he wore number 88, um, but Texier, you know, another one out of France. He had some pro experience. He had a good tool set, but there was a lot of questions of how they were going to translate it. Well, guess what? They had a model in the AHL development model where they knew that they could translate it, and that makes all the difference. Um, and, and again, I think also the part of the AHL development model is not necessarily you're winning the Calder Cup every year. 
because they've had bad seasons. But it's about can you develop these players and get them ready to, if we need you to be in the lineup tomorrow, are you ready? And the Columbus Blue Jackets have proven that their model works because, again, remember, their entire team was hurt this year at one point. So all these players had to play, and it worked. So you have other guys like, you know, like a Kevin Stendlin, who was a second-round pick in 2015. Like, he didn't turn out the way that I think maybe they had hoped, but here he I, is now I'm playing a big role in the lineup. Yeah, there's Sonny Milano, there's Oliver Bjorkstrand, there's uh, um, again there's Josh, Josh Anderson, there's uh, uh, what's his name? Like, just got, like guys like that where, you know, these are all, and I mean, like some of them were drafted even before Kekalainen and Zito came in, but they still worked with those players and developed them. Like, we know we've got something here we can work with. And they took it and they used it really well. Again, maybe we're not talking, oh my God, high end, like Joe Pavelski or, you know, Kucherov late round picks. But we're still talking, you know, these guys are very important to the lineup. They play a role. And again, they're cheaper than going out and signing Brett Connolly. So, so much cheaper, so much less term you have to give out, which means you can have flexibility if it doesn't work out with replacing them and moving them out without taking on bad and again, Think about also the fact that, that they had only three draft picks last year in the entire draft. And their prospect system is still one of the best in the league. Because they just know what they need to do with their development model and they make their picks count when they have them. That's another aspect to it that I like. It isn't about quantity, it's about the quality of the pick and the fact that you can make something happen with the value that they have. And I'm going to go look up Corey Pronman's uh, uh, organizational depth charts because that's a, 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 an important one. And they're going to look at where they are. And Florida was 22nd, right? And that's with a lot of first-round picks not yet making it. Columbus is 19th, and they've had no first-round picks in two of the last three drafts. So that tells you a little bit about where the Blue Jackets are. And that tells you a little bit about what Florida is hopefully getting, right? Yep. Like, doesn't, like is it, doesn't that seem like when you put it comparatively together, you go, wow. Again, the Blue Jackets, no first-round draft pick in two of the last three drafts, and they have a higher organizational rank, according to a great evaluator, than the Panthers do. That's what you're getting. And that's, what, that's, what, that's why I really like this hire. I mean, I know it makes the Panthers look even worse than they already are, but we already knew that. But let's focus, again, on just what that potential is. And he might not reach that potential. And I fully understand if you are jaded to the point where you're skeptical perfectly fine i understand that it's the panthers but just again the potential that is there and the reason to believe that something like that could come to florida is why i think there's something that is exciting about this hire and the other thing that we haven't mentioned about this hire that i think is even better the only connections to the florida panthers that he has are he knows sergey bobrovsky he Worked with Yari Kekalainen's brother, and Doug Plagans interviewed him once because he was the broadcaster for the Cleveland Monsters. That's it. No other connections to the Florida Panthers organization. And what was one of the big things we said? No connections to this organization, please. Outside voice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more than an acceptable. I mean, it's a, good, it's a good hire. I mean, whether it works out or not, I still think it's a g- good hire. 
Uh, and I don't think that we should really second guess that. And I'm happy that there's a GM that we can say that, that there's no, there's no second, there's no, there shouldn't really be second guessing this. Uh, you know, it might not work out and everything. And you might say, well, I wish they hired somebody else in retrospect and everything, but you can't fault them for going through the process and coming out with somebody with this, these skills, this uh, resume. this resume. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, with and this amount of league respect, and I think that matters a lot when you're trying to offload some bad contracts. You kind of need some league respect and want some people to, to you know, not you so you don't have to overpay someone to do you a favor. You know? Yeah, and, and when you think about the fact that Matt Caldwell has said we don't know whether we're a cap team yet or not, who knows? There's a lot still that's going to be going on with yep. these moves because, again, this is a really weird offseason. We don't know what's going to happen with the flat cap and when the draft is, but. As I said, you don't have to go in thinking immediately everything's going to be great. But if you go in thinking, I'm 5% less worried than I was two days ago before I knew that Bill Zito was the general manager, that gives you something a little bit different when you're going into an offseason, right? It's that little benefit of the doubt that you don't give assigning Brett Connolly or Anton Strawman kind of move, right? And it's that move that goes, okay. I can trust that he knows what he can do to, uh, you know, analyze this organization. The other thing that we know is the Blue Jackets beat up on the Panthers like hell in recent years. So, again, if you can't beat them, hire them, I guess. And and that obviously is the winning formula when it comes to hiring uh, hockey personnel. Uh, well, again, I, I, when I was hearing about, like, there were names that were mentioned that, you know, again – they, a lot of the names, other than the, than the obvious questionable ones, there were, there were the names like you would expect to see in a GM search. And to, again, end up with this hire, even if it ended up with Bill Armstrong, I would have been able to say, you know what, this process came out in the right ballpark. This is where it and, needed to be. Unless Chris Drury, who is I mean, also and, apparently in the final. Uh, yeah, and, final and Chris Drury, and, and that's a different situation, but if you're comparing Chris Drury and, and Bill Zito, it's like it's so hard to tell who would have been a better GM. So I'm not I mean, gonna... I, I think distinctively Armstrong and Zito, but I think that's I, I but that's just my personal that, that's just a personal preference. And and, yeah. and now we get to see what he can do. We've talked about what the new GM should be doing this offseason. We said second center, how do you now... fix the D? Now we really stay up late at night trying to figure out how we're going to get rid of Matheson knowing who the GM is. So uh, it's going it, to be a lot it, of fun. It, 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 well, it also, again, like you just see the defensemen that the Blue Jackets have in their organization. You go, gives me a little bit of hope that the Panthers are going to find the defensemen yeah. that they've I mean, been lacking for years. Honestly, you needed to hire somebody who's done a lot with the defensive core that's little. I mean, that gets the most out of replace yeah i mean let's be honest that's what they need and i think that's what they're gonna get so i'm excited about that uh you know the the couple things i i I noted uh i saw actually goldie and uh brett who you know cats on the prowl uh, uh tweeting about only three players reached out to zito so far just to like talk to him and, I think that I think again, it's the off season. It's a weird time. I I don't want to breach too much into that. One yeah. of them was Barkov, by the way. So Barkov, Huberto, Bobrovsky. I mean, the the three you would expect, but um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. 
I I I expected a little more. I mean, just because it's, you know, when when Quinville came, they had, you know, the, all Everybody. the all the players. You know, I think so, it's different with general. I think it's different with general managers. You know, it, it is a little bit. Uh, I, I would be. De- I would. I mean, I would still want to be on his good side right well, now. Well, I know, I know, <laughs> but I mean, I, I understand that. But also, it's. It, he, I mean, he was hired literally yesterday, so I mean, it takes some time for some of these players. I don't. Yeah, there. and and yesterday he was saying, "I'm going to give a hundred percent, and I'm going to ask a hundred percent. If you don't give me a hundred percent, I'm going to replace you with somebody who does give a hundred percent." Well, that's exactly so, what I want. You know what? You know Florida. what? You know what's a hundred percent? Calling the new GM in the first 24 hours. You know I what, guess that makes. I you guess know that what, makes sense. You know what? Calling him on day two is that's like 98 percent. Ah, 98 degrees, Florida. Right, never mind. That was a bad reference. Uh, but again, uh, some some of our hockey players play like they're in 98 degrees. Oh wow, a, a cheap reject of something a lot better and more popular. Are we talking about NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? I'm not going to make no, any I'm comments because I despise them both. Uh, so anyway, the point is. Again, you look at you look at the fact that the three people that reached out to him are two best players and goalie who once played for him. So I mean, yeah, that's 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 fascinating. But uh, the interesting relationship with Bobrovsky, based on some of those negotiations with the Blue Jackets, that uh, that'll be an interesting little relationship. But again, Huberto and Barkov are the most interesting players, and I think again, if if you to, to me, it's all Barkov. I mean, I'm of the I think Barkov, Ekblad, Uyghur. And probably Denisenko yeah. are the only players I don't think are I would trade. I wouldn't mind trading Huberto one because I think he's the going to be the hardest to resign, the most likely to walk, and uh, you know he'd get you a ton of value, and he might be your only way to get like a legit defenseman. I I have to see what Bill Zito wants to do first. There's a, we are not even really close to making any judgments on that. I still and, and I'm more advocating for you know next year, the year after you know before there, there's contracts. There's a long way to go to getting close to that, but I mean at this point, but I, I, everything's on the about, table to me. Everything's yeah. on the table. If right. you were worrying about Alexander Barkov at this point, I worry about it again a little bit less than I did two days ago. So that that's important. And again. What what is Bill yeah. Zito going to do with a draft pick that is much higher than he's used to having, other than not having them at all? So that's an interesting question. Like that that means it opens up a lot because all the mock drafts had them taking you know WHL defensemen before Dale Talon was fired. Now <laughs> what are we going to see? Are they going to take a center? Oh God, I hope not a WHL defenseman. Well, I don't, again with Bill Zito. I like you... WHL defensemen too. So you know nothing against them. It's just that's not. But, again, but also, I mean, one of the other things that I liked about this uh, hire is it means that I'm pretty sure one of your favorite players that are draft eligible from from Sweden or Finland is going to get drafted by the Panthers. And uh. that brings so much goodwill to this podcast. And part of why I really was hoping that this hiring went well, it's not just because, you know, I don't want to see the Panthers continue to lose because that's annoying, but also because when we do this podcast, it's a lot more fun when we actually want to talk about the Panthers as opposed to not talking about them. So, you know, like that, that's also part of it. And you'll hear it in a second when we talk about the rest of the postseason, um, that that's part of one of, uh, it's one of the things that I was thinking about with this hire. I'm like, is this going to be bad enough to where we're not going to be doing Y hockey as much as we want to? And that's not at least the case. At least temporarily, it's not the case because they hired a GM we like. So I, I think that 
and, and already the offseason has started. We've already seen a couple of trades, both involving Atlantic Division teams. So, Bill Zito, time to get on it. Time to call it the New Jersey Devils about Mike Matheson. Let's go, Bill. Come on. <laughs> that is a great trade partner for them. I, I, um, it's one of the few that could actually take on Matheson's contract, and I would be reasonably thinking, you know what? The Devils might actually want that. Uh, I just want to say for it's, it's a deal only the devil would make. I'll tell yes, you that. Yes, very good. Uh, to, just just briefly on those moves. I mean, the the Leafs getting rid of Kasperi Kapanen, getting somewhat decent prospects in a first. Why is pick. why is everybody helping out the Leafs? Like I don't get. I don't, like I don't, that. I don't know. I I don't understand that. Now I I don't know why he likes all players he had before. It's it's a thing. Like and he likes Joe Sammy. Ka- he he. He like drafted and traded and then traded back for Sammy Kapanen too. And he did the same thing with Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah, so. I guess it's a family connection. Um, by the, the way, names apparently, you can apparently Jared McCann's in trade rumors now. I don't want him. It, it's not even the point that he's in trade rumors, whether I want him back or not. It's just that he's in trade rumors, and Nick Bugstad has sadly barely played for the Penguins. So yeah. I'm just well, pointing I mean, that out. That's and I also saw. Injuries. That's and I know, and that sucks for him, because Nick Bukestad was obviously a very good player when he was healthy. Another player whose name I was saying, mentioning in trade rumors uh, when I was reading a Pierre Lebrun column, Vincent Trocek. Isn't that yeah. funny? Yeah, I mean, he didn't... He looked... You know, the first two games, he... You know, like, it's it's Trocek. He always comes out of the gate, like, you know, crazy. And it's just, like, once he figure, Like, once he runs out of his energy, he does his zoomies. It's like, all right, what does he do? Well, also, so when, when it's going the well, against the Rain- yeah, when I was watching the Hurricanes and the Bruins, uh, he, he was always on the ice when the Hurricanes scored, but he was never factoring in the goal when the Hurricanes scored. He always looked really happy in the team celebration, but I couldn't tell you if he was actually a part of any of those goals. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very hard to get traded to a team that's on trying to make a run and they're pretty bonded and you know over the course of the year anyway and then find your role and and contribute i mean half of those deadline day trades and stuff they never work out they they peter fall although apart. the lightning might win because they traded for blake coleman and barkley goodrell but i mean if here's the thing not that i wanted trocek as a, a two center but you know a two a two C for under five million has, would have been very helpful to Bill Zito right now. Yes, uh, and maybe that, that, that is correct. And maybe would have allowed him to finesse moves elsewhere and conserve value and you know be better uh, and better handle this offseason. It's just it's more sure. assets is basically what you, you're yeah. talking about. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, because you know I think Trocheck as an asset right now is. Or, you know, whether a keep or a stay asset is better than the sum of his parts presently. I think because his Hall- value and his Because Hollis should work. Because Hollis should leave. Prisky, I don't think, is going to amount to anything but be a new age TJ Brennan. Um, that's wow. a That's a name for a lot of Florida and Flyers fans. Uh-huh. Shout out uh, Florida's uh, Florida Wawa. He's probably a semi-decent bottom six forward. I mean, he is. I mean, it's just for the, what price is he? For for a million, he's he's good enough. For a million and a half, he's too expensive. Well, we'll see. And and Lewis yeah. Darnham is another guy who, again, that's with the best piece. Who knows? That's the best piece. Let's see how he develops in wherever the Panthers AHL. But again, next year. again, you're hoping he turns into a three C, which is, I guess, what yeah. Trocek was a three C or a, or a top six winger, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and that makes and that makes sense. But again, as I said, with a player but like he was Lasarman, on a great contract in the prime of his career, and if you're trying to win now in the playoffs, you need that more than you need lost training. But yeah. again, they needed a shit ton of centers, and they just didn't do it right because Dale Talon. Yes, but Dale Talon is no longer here. So that's so that's Bill Zito. Is there anything else that we didn't mention with him? Because um, I, I think we covered everything. No, I mean I just think that there's a lot of people who might call him a other team's Eric Joyce, and I think if you just you know look at those resumes side by side uh, with any bit of integrity or honesty, you would quickly ascertain that that is i, I, I think that there's right. there's not really much comparison yeah. again just yeah. look at the fact I mean, that one team won the calder cup and the other hasn't made the playoffs so yeah i mean like if if eric joyce came into his job with the florida panthers with you know a decade plus of player agent experience and being at the top of that uh industry and then coming in and then becoming for those six seven years the top of uh person in his he started field running so. the the blue jackets uh ahl stuff like a little bit or right after eric joyce did i mean it's they're, they're the timelines are very similar that, so, that's literally the only that's literally the only way you could say they're comparable is like oh yeah they they kind of came in and did all this stuff around this relatively the same time but and they yeah. both worked with the kekalinen yeah, one did it with much greater success. One did it with a greater degree of failure, and then the other one had like 13 years in the in the NHL before that on his resume, where he was again at the top of his field. Again, with an agent, and I and I saw somebody mention that being an agent was concerning. I said, I that's not a worry for me. He knows this that's league in and out, in and out, all the things that you need to know. He's going to have. He brings all the experience again. He is as qualified as any general manager candidate. And He's going to know when to hold him. He's going to know when to fold him. Yes. You know, that's... He's going to know when to take the money and run, too. Absolutely. And and you know what? Florida has had a GM and has had a conglomerate of assistant GMs, in the case, that have not known how to do that, that have wasted money rebetting it or... Uh, you know, squandering it and not understanding what they have. So uh, it'll be good. So I'm excited about Bill Zito, and I'm excited that maybe one day the Panthers could be a team playing deep in the playoffs, which we're about to talk about have, now briefly. Have um, you seen those abs? I have seen Michael that Hutchinson. That's Yeah, Florida Panthers. I mean, in that whole – well, the Leafs fans are also wondering what in the hell happened there. I mean, it's it's why people shouldn't put too much stock into Chris Dreger, like the person on Reddit I saw who said that Chris Dreger was one of the five untouchable players for the Florida Panthers, which oh. I... Oh. oh, that's unfortunate. But it's yeah. okay. We I almost want to dox this individual, but I don't won't. Do, no, we don't. We do not endorse doxing here, my friends. We endorse saying, eh, it's, it's a questionable take, but that's fine. People uh. are... That series is great. Think, those two, let me just talk about this real quick uh, on the series. Dallas and, and Avalanche are two teams you desperately, if you're Florida, want to model yourselves after. Exciting, more the more, more well, the abs. I mean, they're exciting teams that you know have grown passionate fan bases that have stayed in the playoffs consistently. And even with the ups and downs, have done it on a tight budget and have had to move players in and out, have had to get creative. Um, and you look at, you know, where did they hire from? You know, Sackick, obviously, we know where that came from. Um, 
But again, Jared Bednar was the former coach of the Lake Erie Monsters. Monsters. Yes. And and then you also want to look at, you know, Dallas, who their GM, Jim Nill, is basically one of the protégés of the Red Wings dynasty and that front office, um, you know, before Holland, you know, went senile himself. Uh, yeah, he, he was part of that. And I, again, I, I personally prefer the Avs method of building a team. And part of why I have been very, you know, anti Right, but if you, look at, if you look at the, the product on ice, it's puck possession hockey. It's exciting hockey. It's going to score you enough goals, but they also play hard defense. They also compete defensively. They okay. also have good also, goals. Also, by the way, can we talk about how so great Miro Heiskanen is? Best defenseman in the NHL, bar none. Of course you'd say that, but, but you know what? It's, it's I mean, I said it. I said it when he was when he was before he was drafted that he was going to be the best defenseman in the NHL. He just he plays like Nick Lidstrom. He plays that style, and that is the ultimate pure style. Miro Haskin and Kale McCarr. If you want to have like again back to back picks in 2017, you want to watch young defensemen. Like it's been so fun watching yeah. those two play. Yeah, it's gonna and be an amazing game. Game 7 is going to be a ton of fun, and by the time you listen to this, Game 7 may have already happened. So yeah. I've really enjoyed that. Also, I've been rooting for the Avs because, not just because of, um, you know, why hockey, but also if the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup, the league's going to start copycatting the Avalanche and trying to build the team around them. And if the league has a lot more Colorado Avalanches, then the league's a really much better league. Yeah. So I mean, and look at their D. They have two Makars. They have Makar and Girard. They have... Uh, you know, they have without Eric Johnson, and they, they have still have what they need to have. Nikita Zadorov, who yeah, they didn't they work out in Buffalo, but they took a chance. Yeah, you got you got Connor Timmins. They have two way D. They have offensive D. They have the new age D. They have some more old school D. They, but you know, they all play well together. They are all committed to their role, and they all execute when it when it's time. And that's and their their intensity is good over sixty minutes. I mean, that's hopefully what you're trying to model it's been it's been my favorite series and hopefully if you know whoever wins that against the knights i think you know those two series might be the best two series you get this whole playoff oh yeah yeah i, I mean, mean all of us want golden knights abs yeah. but i mean like that's just i mean but even stars the, the way that they played in this postseason would be fun although two game sevens in the conference semifinals and that sucks uh the other series in the west I mean, if the Vancouver Canucks and Jim Benning weren't signing, you know, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, Brandon Sutter to contracts with the GDP of small island nations in the Pacific, ah. I mean, what in the world could that team look like? Because, I mean, again, 2017 draft, Elias Pettersson, just great player. He is one of the most fun players to watch in the league. Quinn Hughes is, is awesome. You know, you, Bo Horvath's yes. taken another level. Brock Quinn, Besser's Quinn good. Quinn Hughes is, is awesome, but... Let's be honest. He he's getting into Yandel territory where he 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 giveth he taketh as much as he giveth. That's also, I guess, because he's young and this is like I, the yeah. First I mean, it, yeah. I mean, Makar gets that way too a bit. I mean, I think Makar's a little better, but he's also less of a rookie as you than Hughes, uh, yes. and he's on a better team than Hughes, so that's a huge difference. Yeah, Quinn Hughes has to do a lot more than Caleb yeah. McCarr has to. But, I mean, again, the Canucks even being this far is, is really impressive. He just needs um, – Hughes just needs to know he's all gas, no breaks. And it, and I'm not asking him to put on – you calling him Vincent Trocek as a defenseman? That's no, not fair to him because he's but, better than Vincent Trocek. But, you well, know I mean. he has a lot more skill. I mean, he has the skill to be a N- Nor- Norris winner. He It's just – 
he needs to learn that sometimes it's okay to take your foot off the gas. That's 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 fair enough. And just come back down. You don't have to be revving your engine all. Also, the time. by the way, you want to talk about defensemen for the uh, for the Golden Knights? It's not just say Theodore. You know, yeah. like Zach Whitecloud, random dude who didn't pan out, ends yeah. up being a solid defenseman. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is what Florida needs. They need to do what the Knights have done. What all these teams that last into the playoffs consistently do, like the Sharks. Before you know, when they were on top of their game before, you know, Jumbo Joe got too old, was have these guys who were like, where did they come from? And then you go look and you're like, oh, they drafted him in the fifth round. Then he played three years in college. Then they signed him. He played three years in the AHL where he had 40 playoff games in the AHL playoffs where he played well. And then he came up and got consistent third line minutes and performed. Oh, cool. Like again, if that's what you're developing, you need that in the postseason. You need it, and, like, and the Golden Knights have a lot of that. Yeah, I mean they've been doing it, and it's at multiple positions. It's with the goalies, defensemen, and forwards. I mean, you're looking at wow, who's this? Who's this Roy Waugh guy? You Nicholas know, Waugh, yeah. You know, as, like as, as 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 a famous man once said on Twitter, Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit. <laughs> It's true, though, because that's because I mean, like that's you got to win with those guys. And that's how the Blues won. It's how Washington won. It's how whoever wins the cup this year is going to win it because of that. And yeah, I've I mean, really they in- they went from Cody Eakin to Nick Cousins. And a lot of people would say that's Stanley a lot of Stevenson. Yeah, I mean, there's Stanley Stevenson. Like, yes, they had Paul Stasty and Max Pacioretty and players like that. But again, it's it's and in many ways that you win cups with Chandler Stevenson's having great postseasons a new and Zach white clouds having great postseasons. And, and I mean, it, it's not just the players, the coaches. I mean, looking at what Colorado has been able to do, the way they've played and the way they've kind of dialed it in over the course of like a season and a half, you know, to in this play in has been uh, pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, they started, you know, they, they've, they're learning how to play different types of hockey and they're getting used to the matchups and the playoffs and everything. And you're seeing Bednar, the coaching staff, the team, all taking forward steps together. Yeah. Uh, and that's been awesome. That's my, my favorite part in the East. Um, I mean, Boston just ran out of gas. I mean, they're an older team. It's harder for them to start up out of the blue. I think the other reason why it ha- – I mean, the, the, the situation with Rask sucks. Obviously, we yeah. hope his, his there's, family is There's okay. a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's Daniel Charles says he's going to try to play next year. But, he's I mean, retired. that team I, – I don't know. I mean, again, like, there's there's a lot still. Now, again, like, they were interviewing John Ferguson Jr., who was part of the, uh, the Bruins Brain Trust, and I would have been – okay with that because again he came from an organization that knows what it's doing and finds players and develops players you know again jake debrus i i I wanted to move out of that massachusetts school of thought though so i I know i know you don't like that but i mean they they ran out of gas but the one thing about tampa that's different this year is uh yeah it's barkley goodrow and blake coleman and that's getting your assets again one of those draft picks came because they traded jt miller who was excess they didn't need him and they end up using that draft pick (laughs) to get Well, well, they didn't need JT Miller. It was a win-win trade because JT Miller has been great in Vancouver. And that draft pick ends up now going to New Jersey. They get Blake Coleman and he's been great this postseason. There's no doubt about that. And it's a little bit of, you know, going into it, you know, we didn't have stamp codes. It's, it's a bit of, they had the chip on their shoulder 
from all the other series already that they just didn't care. Once they, they won that game care. five, uh, that that five overtime game one against Columbus, I'm like, okay, the Lightning are going to yep. win this now. The, yep. It seemed like they, they they just locked in, and you knew that no matter what was going to happen, this it feels like it legit feels like their year. It, Last, as, yeah. as good as it feels like for for uh, you know for all these other teams, it feels like the Lightning's year. At, at least out of the East, because you know we, we're we're going to talk about the most boring series of all oh, time. Oh God. Ugh. Uh, the Islanders have just subdued the Flyers' offense in the boredom, and they're finally starting to break out now. Um, but, and then, yeah, yeah, every time they break out, they still give up a big lead and win in overtime. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean like, I, I was once the, the way the Islanders beat the uh, Capitals, I was like, all right, the Flyers is much. I picked them to make the Stanley Cup final, by the way. I, I picked oh, an it was you. It was you. It was me. It was, no, I picked an Avs Flyers Stanley Cup final, you, you by the way. Them. I did curse them, which I didn't do intentionally at this point. I did it for why hockey reasons, because I wanted to have a fun podcast to talk about if the Avs and Flyers made the cup. But, I mean, like, the, the Islanders, again, I've made my point. The reason why I don't want the Islanders to win has nothing to do with the fact that they beat Florida. It has to do with the fact that, very simply, we don't need more teams in the league built like the Islanders. We need more teams in the league built like Colorado or Vegas or Tampa. The only and silver I, lining is there's not enough coaches who can pull that system off, so there's going to be a lot of teams getting yeah you know, like hiring pounded. Jack Capuano or something like that but but I mean like I, again I give credit to the Islanders because another trade deadline move that worked out spectacularly is Pajot who has been really good this postseason he's been Broussard awesome. Broussard's been good again like and, and again but Islanders also their defensemen where did Ryan Pulock and Adam Pellick come from by the, the way nowhere by the way uh I can't can't help but saying this Broussard as a Panther was better than Halla as a Panther. Uh, you know what? I might actually kind of agree with that because at least Broussard found a role that makes sense for him now. But I mean, like, look, look at some of the play. Like, Beauvillier's been great. You know, again, I don't. Another Y hockey guy. I appreciate. Everyone I don't doubted appreciate, his boots. I didn't. I don't I appreciate the way that 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 Islander team plays in many ways, but it works. Now, as you said and, before, it, it's a it's a style that gets you to the second round. Whether it gets you beyond that. Well, famous last they, words here. Famous last words, but I mean, I think Tampa smokes them. But that's famous last words because it's twenty twenty. It's, it's a style that gets you to that far in the playoffs, and then you need to have the talent and then the uh, ability to play other different games to pull yourself out of, you know, because then because once you get to the conference final, you know, round three and round four, you're playing teams that are arguably better than you or at just as good as you and they're going to be a different style than you and if you have a bad matchup cups on the line you have to be able to adapt or you're going to get blown out yeah can if if the lightning get their legs going against the islanders and i fully think the islanders are going to win this series again famous last words but i, I think that's going to happen if you're doing that uh can they run can they if the lightning get their legs going and they play speed hockey which they can do uh can the islanders keep up with that no they can't I think I think the Flyers Islanders go to Game Seven because I don't think Barzil plays, and I think without that engine up front, the, the even the Islanders system falls apart. You have yeah. to have a certain amount of puck possession and creativity and pushing a team back on its heels to win in the playoffs. I mean, because just the Flyers are good enough all three zones to beat the Islanders in in two games if they don't have Barzell. Uh, I think the Flyers still have a great chance. If they lose to the Islanders, I'm going to be disappointed. 
I thought they were a real contender, and this shows me that they weren't a real contender this year. But I'm not going to be disappointed in A.V., in Fletcher, in the direction of this club, because being a contender this year and what they did, and they already they readjusted our expectations because they superseded the ones we went into the season with. They were ahead of schedule, and they, they, have, schedule, yeah. they have the prospect depth, depth. They have a decent enough cap structure. Um, and this was year one. So the Flyers you, are going to be around for a while. I yeah, so, that. you know, and Oscar, I mean, Lim, Oscar, Oscar could be back next season, oh buddy. Oh, my God. I and thought, if Oscar is back. He took the warm-up, and I was like, he's not playing, is he? No, no. I think they're trying to do whatever they can to rally this team and wake oh, up the offense. I think it worked. I think that kind of worked. You know, you kind of have to, as we're seeing now in real life with COVID, there has to be something to anticipate. There has to be something to look forward to. Uh, to to drum up any sort of optimism to overcome tough situations. Yeah. Uh, and the Flyers are in a tough situation right now, and they're starting to dig themselves out. Can they finish it? I don't know, but I'm rooting for them. I still, th- I still think they can. Well, that means my Stanley Cup pick would still be on, and I'd make a little bit of money. So that's yeah. what I hope for. Uh, that is it for this show. Uh, hopefully... Now you can see why we were optimistic about Bill Zito and why we have faith that things might be turning around in Florida just a little bit, which is good to see. And hopefully you understand now why we both really like this hire and what our reasoning is. So uh, in the future, maybe interviews with people talking about Bill Zito, getting a little bit more knowledge on him. Try to see that we could plan that out. And then we are not that far away from the draft. The draft is in literally a month and a week. Yes, it's, it's I, October 9th and 10th. I am finalizing the draft guide right now. I revamped my rankings. I, I took some chances. I took some chances. There's And it makes sense because the Panthers GM might now take chances. I, I took some chances and uh, I think I'm gonna do I think I'm gonna do a podcast where I just, you know, kind of monologue, narrate the, the guide and kind of give a little off cuff comments. Uh, and then pu- publish the we'll guide. We'll be looking forward to that. So, we'll be looking forward give to me, Give me a week, ten days. There's going to be a lot more coming. Enjoy your hockey, and uh, maybe the Panthers have optimism. That's a weird thing, right? Very weird. <laughs>